Lord, thank you so much uh, for the blood of Jesus Christ and the difference it is in our lives and that it allows us to have fellowship with you and be reconciled um, through your grace and through your strength. And so we're grateful for that. Lord, I thank you for these ladies. Lord, I pray the words that I speak would be your words, Lord, that they would be edifying and glorifying to, to you and to them, Father. And if there's words I'm supposed to change in the air, Lord, that you'll change them. You'll bring them about and that um, what will happen this evening will um, be... Um, encouraging be a blessing um and empower us to do what you would have us to do and um, we're grateful for this time it's in jesus name we pray amen hey girls show up when you can show up when you can hey hey come on in Kristen. good deal okay so uh kingdom of god none of the stuff i mean always repeat this is not about destination this is all about um what we're going to do post salvation okay um and it's all about what we do in the works and so we're saved it doesn't matter i had this past weekend i've been with my mentees for titus 2 mentoring and we've been away and we talked a lot about that and you know my question often on many of the things they ask you know it's not whether it's right or wrong it's whether it's best and i mean i'm not going to argue with you right or wrong i'm going to argue with best and um and so i'm hoping that what i give you guys uh this this today and the next couple of weeks that it's the best so um principle number one let me look at let me make this look at this differently hang on i think i can make it look so i can look ahead to know what i'm supposed to click this that that, that i don't think that's the right button how about that that's the right button Okay, so uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you and we know that the things are the things. So that's, that's a free verse that I just want us to, that always, what am I doing? I'm seeking the kingdom of God, seek the kingdom of God, seek the kingdom of God, seek the kingdom of God. Every decision, every thought, every action, every word, we want to filter it through, is this seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness or is it not? And if we continue to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, and what are those things? They're all things. They're our clothes. They're what we eat. They're what we have financially. It's what we're going to do in the future. It's all things if we focus, number one, on seeking his, his kingdom above all else. Seek him first. And um, he needs to have, we often say he needs to have first place in our life, and the reality is he doesn't need to have first place. He needs to be the only place. That's the only standard. It's, that's the only direction. Not like, you know, and then other things come in second. No, it's still first. You love your husband because Christ is first. You parent your kids because Christ is first in your life. You do work hard at work because Christ is first in your life. You know, that's why you do what you do. Um, so principle, I'm going to go through about five principles. Um, and I, I have a sixth principle, but I didn't include it on your handout. But I don't think we're going to have time to get through it. So... Uh. I have another handout. Sure, I do. Andrea's got another one. There you go. Okay. You need a cough drop? You okay? You good? Allergies. Ragweed. Okay, so today we're going to talk about, um, I think it's funny, you know, in church, or not in church, let me rephrase that, out in the world, we always say, uh, you know, you can talk about anything, but don't talk about politics or religion right i mean you can hit anything but politics or religion. and so in the church we're kind of like we like talk about politics and we like talking about religion but what we, we never talk about is money money we never talk about money and i think part of that we get that from don't let your right hand know what the left hand is doing and it's more about your attitude your heart attitude to that not about it's okay if the right hand knows because he says it says also in Matthew, it says that um, they will know, um, they will know I'm the, they will glorify the Father when they see your good works. So people have to see your good works <laughs> to glorify the Father. So, um, so we kind of get confused in that kind of thing, but I think it's very interesting. Is How would you feel, okay, I'm going to pick you on UK. Sure. Because I can. Because you feel so good. Because you feel so good. I, you might as well. Then you're not coughing. I hate to stretch you. It's okay. Um, if I said, hey, Kay, um, can I see uh, yours and Ted's checkbook? Heck no, I don't even let Ted see. I know, exactly, <laughs> right? We don't show, I mean, like, no, I'm not showing you my checkbook. Like, you can look at my drawers, you can look at my, you know, medicine cabinet, you can look at my trash, but you can't look at my checkbook. I mean, it's like, we don't talk, and I'm not saying that we need to run around, but I do think it's very interesting. I, 
I think it is a good level of accountability that somebody else looks at your checkbooks. I have Andrea and Bodie look at my budget to say, am I out of line in how I'm spending my money? Because we think we're being generous or we think we're being frugal or we think until like, we're like, whoa, let's, I mean, okay, first the bottom line is everybody does operate on a budget. Okay, that's important. Okay, so you need to have a budget. My mother who did not operate on a budget until she was 75 years old and now she thinks it's the greatest thing in the world because she's like, my insurance, my car insurance comes and there's money in the envelope. I mean, as opposed to the $400 bill comes and she's like, where am I going to get the $400? No, it's like it's in the envelope because we've just put, you know, $52 away or whatever every month and there it is in the envelope. And she said, she's got a friend who they're very wealthy and have retired and, and doing well. And she says, you know what? Wilma has a budget. Wilma operates on a budget. Like, I'm like, she thinks if you have all the money in the world, you don't need to operate on a budget. So, um, I, another friend was telling me, and he's a financial advisor, he was saying that the, um, he has this family that he works with, and together they make $200,000 a month. A month. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking I could probably scrape by on $2,000 a month, right? Well, they have nothing for retirement. They haven't put any money away for retirement. They were just living it all, you know, living, living, living. They were like late 50s. And, and he's like, okay, no big deal. I mean, we just need to take a few months and we'll have you set, you know. But so let's look at your budget. Well, they don't have a budget. He's like, okay, well, send, bring me your expenses. How are you spending your money? Well, there's the yacht membership and there's the jet membership and there's the country club membership. And it's like, okay, well, why don't we just like not use the yacht for this year? Well, no, we can't not use the yacht because of junk. I mean, it was, it was really a struggle for them to get by financially making that much money. And so money is an interesting little thing that gets in our head. And so I want us to kind of have a kingdom perspective on money. And that's what we want to talk about here. The very first principle that I want us to look at is that giving brings greater blessing than receiving. Giving gives greater blessing than receiving. I don't have my underlines, my blanks marked, so y'all be sure, but I think I've got them all. Giving brings greater blessing than receiving. I mean, Jesus himself said it's better to give than it is to receive, and we've all been there, right? Have you? I've been a recipient of stuff, but sometimes it's even better to give. I mean, I, again, let's go back to Jared and take him to the baseball game. He comes to me and he says, Aunt Beck, all I want for my birthday is to go to the Braves playoff game. You know what? I'm, I mean, I'll not eat for two weeks to buy that, you know, $125 ticket. Because if that's what he wants to do, it's much better. It's a, and to see him like a kid in a candy store standing there watching the game, and then for us to experience together, you know, record-breaking things that will hold for a long, long time. I mean, it was, I am well worth the investment, well worth the $125. And, you know, if I was really cute, I would have, like, you know, $250 for tickets, $45 for hamburger and a drink, you know, and um, like I know exactly. And then I would have said, you know, rubber <laughs> foam tomahawk, you know, priceless. I mean, so because he would not have let me do anything like embarrass him. Like there was a guy in front of me that had a Georgia Southern hat on and he's committed to Georgia Southern. I'm like, I'm going to tell him you're going to play baseball for him. And he's like, no, don't tell him. So I didn't. But it, what a blessing. It was so much better. To give and to receive, and actually, when we give, there's actually a threefold. There's a threefold return, three threefold blessing that happens in that. Number one, and it's not on. You don't have it on there. Number one, the giver. We're blessed. We're blessed as the giver. That's a blessing to us. Number two, the recipient is blessed. They re they get something great, and they're now blessed. I mean, they're happy. It's a blessing. Number three, God is blessed because He's pleased. Second Corinthians. 16 or 9 7 says each one must give as his heart as has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver God loves a cheerful and I always say he will take from a grumpy giver too but he loves a cheerful giver he loves a cheerful giver you know and um so in giving in the process of relinquishing our time our talent our touch we can talk about finances for the most part but i'm really just in our time our talent anything we release and we give to somebody else and i really think when it comes to time is a real key thing because time is something that 
you can, I can always go make more money in a lot of ways, right? At my age, I can go do, I can go flip burgers, I can work, you know, go work at McDonald's, I can work three 40-hour shifts and make some more money, okay? But time, by saying yes to something, by you guys saying yes to this hour, by definition, you've said no to everything else. So we wanna make sure it's our best yes. And what's our best yes? Again, I'm gonna go back to Jared. I called Kristen the Monday after, you know, two weeks ago. I said, Kristen, this is what's going on. What do you think? You know, because I wouldn't have done it without her permission. And we prayed through it, thought through it. And it's like, okay, I think this is the best yes for you. You know, and the girls, and I was able to communicate with everybody. And I think, as far as I know, nobody showed up, you know, without me. So it is, it is, it is awesome to give and to give it cheerfully and know that we're all being blessed. The recipient is that. And it's always so much better to be on the giver. On the flip side, just a side note, if you need to be a recipient, receive well. Receive well. Don't steal somebody's blessings. You know, oh, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm fine, don't come help me, don't, you know, you know. No, you're stealing somebody's blessing. You're stealing the Lord's pleasing, and you're stealing somebody's blessing to be able to go and give like that. So receive, receive. Okay, principle number one, giving brings greater blessing than receiving. Number two. When we invest money now in God's kingdom, we will receive great rewards later in heaven. When we invest money now in God's kingdom, we will receive greater rewards later in heaven. Matthew, oh, that's okay. Matthew 13, 44 says this. It's very interesting about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven... This is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found, when it went, when we start again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So it became poor to get the treasure that's in that field. He sold everything, sold it all. Every, nothing mattered. And I'm going to buy that field because I'm going to get that treasure. And so for us, when we say, okay, I want, I'm going to take all my finances and I want to make sure that I invest them in to things that are eternal, that matter, because it's going to be a better return. It's not necessarily right or wrong to not give your money away. You know, it's just not wise. I think that's another point I'm going to talk about later, but it's just not wise. He bought everything, took everything, sold everything to go and found it because he's found the treasure. And really for us, and I hope it is for you guys, you know, when I was first taught about the kingdom of God and like really what happens post-salvation and that really matters what I do this side, it was like, and I, it was like, a, a kind of scales went down. It was like everything looked different. Everything looked different. And so that's what it needs to be with us. John Bunyan said this, interesting quote, and I think I have it quoted there for you. Oh, I did have 1344. Whatever good thing you do for him, John Bunyan, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress from a prison. Um, which is a great little allegory to read. It's not little, but it's a good allegory. Whatever good thing you do for him, if done according to the word, is laid up for you as treasure and chest and coffers to be brought out to be to, to reward, not to be reward, to reward both men and angels to your eternal comfort. To your eternal comfort. Whatever good thing we do for him, it's going to be stored up for us in heaven that we can get. Here's the interesting thing. Look at this Philippians 4.17. As a fundraiser, I use this all the time. It's not the gift that I seek, but it's the increase to your account that I seek. It's the increase to your account that I'm looking at. And so when we make an investment, a financial investment, a time investment, a service investment, we can say, look, I'm investing in the kingdom of God, and I'm expecting a return. I mean, when we put up our IRA or any of our 401ks or whatever we do for our retirement, we're expecting a return on that, right? I mean, Social Security, don't expect a return. Expect something, but don't expect a return. But... We put it up there. We're expecting a return. And it's a gift that we get that we're going to get later on. Matthew 6, 9, uh, 19 through 24. And it's really the Lord talking about laying up treasures in heaven and what it has to do with God and money. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Let me start, let me say that again. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. <laughs> Sorry. 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And that's really anything we can touch, feel, or see, right? Moths will come in and chew it up. Rust will destroy any kind of metal and thieves will take anything. So don't store it up in there. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either you'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't have two masters. You cannot serve God and money. So you need to say, okay, I'm going to use, I'm going to, I'm going to let money serve me and let it use money to store up for myself treasures in heaven. But what's interesting is that verse, and this is really key, for where your treasure is, there your heart is. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. It's verse 21. Because I can look at your calendar, I can look at your checkbook, and I can tell you whether or not where your heart is. What you feel is important, what your treasures are. Who do I spend time with and how do I spend money on it? You know, I can probably look at your Instagram feed. You know, I can look at your Facebook feed and probably tell what really matters to you, or at least the persona that you want to show. For good or for bad, there's not, it's not necessarily bad. But understand, don't store up for treasures for yourself. You know, you see some 16-year-old kids and all that's on there is, um, you're not even supposed to be talking to me. I thought I turned you off. Um, all of the, all the feed is like hot rod cars. Okay, where's his treasure, <laughs> right? I mean, nothing wrong with that, you know, but that's where his heart is, is turned on that. You know, you look at other feeds and all we got is, you know, ESPN. That's where his heart is, okay? So some good questions I think that are worth asking ourselves and about where are, tre- our treasures, where are your treasures. Number one is what do you value most? Really, at the end of the day, if, you were, if your house were to catch on fire and you were to run out, what would you grab? What would you grab and what matters the most to you? And if, that's the, and if it matters that much to you, are you really investing in keeping it? Number two, what would you most hate to lose? What would you most hate to lose? And that's what I always say, you, something is unhealthy is when you have a visceral reaction to the thought of not having it anymore. For example, if I said you can't check Facebook ever again, you know, you can't talk to that person ever again. For some of you guys, like, yay, I don't want to talk to my husband anymore. Okay, that doesn't count, you know, so. You know, I can't engage with that person anymore. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily unhealthy. I mean, it might be like, yeah, if it's your husband or your kids or something like that, you should be. That should be a painful thought. It's not necessarily unhealthy. But that's where your treasures are. What do your thoughts turn the most frequently when you're free to think of what you will? When you're just like free to think. Nothing's going on. Where do you, where does your mind go? Those are important things to catch and to check ourselves. And what affords you the greatest pleasure? What affords you the greatest pleasure? Where do you get the greatest joy? You know, some people it's going on a vacation. They just live every summer for their two-week vacation. You know, for others it's like going shopping. For others it's seeing their kids get into, you know, an Ivy League college. I mean, you know, it's, and it's like, you know, at the end of the day, is that really where you want your treasures to be? Where your heart, where your mind is, what your thinking is. What would you, what is, I mean, let's hit, you know, what are your treasures? Somebody tell me what some of their treasures, what do you value most? What would you leave, what would you grab when you left the house? My child. Good. Good. Yes, absolutely. We, absolutely. No doubt. That's important. You grab your child. Make sure that happens. We had the hurricane come through. And they had noticed that they could pack up and move. What would you put in the boxes? Pictures. Pictures? Uh-huh. Yeah. Pictures. Mm-hmm. I mean, once we get pictures, once we get, you know, maybe a couple of Bibles, you know, because I can't find Psalm in any other Bible except for mine, right? You know? And 
of course, the kids and, you know, a few menagerie of animals that we have. I mean, really, all the rest of it's like, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And we have storage units full of stuff. And, you know, Carmen and Josh are about to move into a house someday soon. You can say amen on that, Lisa. You're good. I know you are. I know you are. But... I mean, there's stuff that they've got stuff that's been packed up for nine months now, right? And it's like, you're going to look at me, you're going to be like, why did we even put this in a box? You know, but we're, what we're prone to do too is that we would take it out of the box and we'd put it on the shelf. You know? It really is. There's some of it, there's sometimes it's like, man, let's just go through and purge. Sometimes you just need to move every, you know, few years just to we purge them. My husband, as he climbed the corporate ladder, we moved a lot. We have a storage unit. We have a storage unit because we have an extra car that doesn't fit in our. Driveway. Okay. You know, we have two cars in the garage and a car in the driveway. Yeah. But we have boxes that have color codes from every moving company. And I tell my husband, we are going through that storage unit very uh -huh. soon. Uh -huh. And if it has more than one sticker, it's automatically. <laughs> right. We from 20 years ago. And right. We're not moving, we're not moving that again. It's not going with us. Yeah. So let's just be really, be mindful of that this week. Do we need more stuff? Do we need more stuff? Do we need more treasures? And how you can invest in it. Amassing money in itself or things is not wrong. It's just not a wise decision and a poor investment. You know, just having all this stuff, having all these riches. Um, since God, his word, and people are eternal, what will last is what is used wisely for God, his word, and his people. That's really the only thing that will last. Everything else will, will wash away. And nothing wrong, I mean, burn up. When then, when then happens. Nothing wrong with, again, any of those things. Um, okay, since uh, his, his, let me make sure, because I, I wrote it down. Since God, his word, and his people are the only things that are eternal, what will last is what we use wisely for God, his word, and his people. So the best of my ability, am I using my time for God, for his word, or for his people? To the best of my ability. And only you know that. You know, this weekend, I, like I said, I had my Titus II mentor retreat. So went up on Friday afternoon, there Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, I mean, that's a lot of time. 48 hours. And um, I could have... I mean, not that it, let's just say I had an invite to the Georgia game. I could have gone to the Georgia game, okay? Or maybe the LSU game. Let's say the LSU because I have a friend that's in LSU. So it would be really great to go to the LSU game. And um, uh, no, no, nobody could come up to me and say, oh, look, well, that's obvious. It's more important for you to go to Titus II than it is to go to the LSU game. Well, not necessarily because you don't know who I'm meeting, what's the connection, what's going on, what's going to happen between now and then. Only you can judge. Is it something that's worthwhile? Again, that person who will be renamed nameless last Sunday, two Sundays ago, that busted on me for going to canceling this to go to the Braves game. I mean, don't judge me. I, might, I mean, I know because I'm investing in his people, which is my nephew, so that in four years, if he goes off the rails, which he better not, or if he's about to marry somebody who I think is, doesn't love Jesus, I can speak into him. He doesn't have to listen to me, but I've earned the right to be able to speak into him. And as much as cute as you girls are, you know, so. Anyways, so is this, is this helping God? Is, not helping God. Is this for God? Is this for his people? Is this for his word? My time, my talent, my touch, my treasures. All those things. For God, for my people. And how are you doing on your deposits? Again, I love this because it makes sense. So the person that comes to Jesus Christ on the deathbed, his deposits are nothing, right? Because he, he didn't have any time. She didn't have any time. And that, that's a fair God that's going to reward us for us. So how are we doing on our deposits? You're this young right here. Man, you got lots of opportunity. Lots of opportunity. And unfortunately for them, they know now. You know? If you're in your 60s and you're learning it now, you don't have as much, you have, you have more grace from the Lord. This, you know now. You keep coming back, which I love. Thank you. How's your heavenly deposit? Okay, number three. 
God offers us rewards that are eternal, imperishable, and inexhaustible. This one is like, I can't, what do you mean? Because like, any re, in our minds, any reward we get now, we spend it, right? It's going to eventually exhaust. You win the lottery, you know, $50 million. Here you go. Trust me, we will blow through that $50 million. It's going to exhaust. But this is what... Um, what the scripture says, do I have it? Yeah. Luke 12, 20, 12, 33. Let me get the content, context of this. Jesus is talking. I like things in red because it's like, oh, that's what he says. That's what he means. Um. He, it's actually it's right after the do not be anxious verse about you know don't be anxious about your life what clothes you wear or what where you're going to eat where you're going to do you know the father he cares about the birds of the field he cares about the the flowers in the field he's going to care about you so how much more so then he says in 32 fear not little flock for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom sell your possessions and give to the needy provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. It will not fail. It won't empty. You're never going to wear out that money bag. You can keep going into it, and it's going to keep on spending. Whatever that looks like, whatever those treasures are going to be. It's interesting in 34, it also says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. I didn't put it up there. There's another verse. It's in... Um, 1 Peter 1, verse 4. I'll back up to 3. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercies, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, or inexhaustible is what it says. And if necessary, uh, kept in heaven for you. He's got a reward kept in heaven for us. That's unexhaustible. You got I should make you sit up front, but we're already embarrassed, you know. Maybe, maybe we'll get there, but I have a question. Yeah. You know, for those, me and other people maybe around here, who like shopping, who like doing those things that we know is clearly not in good balance, how do we, I mean, because it's, God knows my heart, right? He knows, he knows I like shopping. You know, he knows I like mm -hmm. those pairs of jeans, whatever. Mm -hmm. How... How do we get there? I just thought I'd ask. I'm going to, let me, yeah, um, it's, it actually, I was about to say that we're going to talk about that at the point when I talk about the Confederate money and, um, and we're there. So how perfect you set me up for that. Um, so it's, it, it is, uh, it's kind of what we are is, is just imagine, um, that this was, we were in the, you know, civil war times and, um, we lived in the North, but we're in the South right now and as soon as the war is over we're going to head back up north but we just can't get there right now whatever i may make up some reason and so there's all this confederate money around and you know that that confederate money is going to be worthless because you know the north is going to win so you take you gather up as much confederate money as you can but you convert it to northern money as much as you can to regular union money as much as you can but you keep enough confederate money to live on until you can get back up north because I can't use northern money here. I can only use confederate money. So the keep only enough confederate currency to meet your short-term needs. And so how I would answer this on that, Keisha, is that, yeah, absolutely, enjoy. And how do, but how do we bring it back to that this is affecting the kingdom? And are those jeans, as cute as they are, if I were to take those jeans and actually invest that $30 or $130 or whatever, however cute those, because the cuter they are, the more expensive they are, I come to find out that how I spend that, and I invest that $130 somewhere else and maybe wear these jeans one more year or whatever, whatever they might be. That's where the filter that it comes into. He knows our heart, but his bigger thing is like, and he's not mad if we choose to go shopping and buy the $130 jeans. We don't disappoint him. But the bigger thing is that I've got, there's going to be a loss. Is it wood, hay, stubble, or is it precious stones, riches, jewels? So, so here's the other thing, too. There are ministries out there 
that are all about like dress for success that are helping women get off the streets get in transitional living or something like that but they have no idea how to dress for success how to dress professionally or or even modestly I mean boom okay let's find that ministry you like to shop let's connect the two of you guys and are like me I don't I don't shop I go to the dressing room and either Marie or Valon or Andre and Tamara they're out there and they're out of Chico's or J Jill's or whatever and I'm they're like bringing me clothes and I pull them on and I come out and say is this work you know I mean I'm, I put this together all by myself <laughs> thank you so of course, I didn't buy any of these pieces. Someone else, I mean, I, I paid for them, but somebody else picked them up. So that would be the thing, Keisha, is that is this advancing the gospel in some way or is it not? The kingdom and his people and his word. Um, you, you, I, don't, I don't know about your family, but is there a niece or are there girlfriends that you can go and that you can invest in by you do shopping? I mean, there's, it's any of those things. So does that help? Yeah, does. does anybody, does that help? Any, does anybody else have? I have a question. Yeah. So if she goes and buys a $130 pair of jeans, okay. is it wrong for her to keep those and give the $30 jeans that she normally wears away to someone in need? No. Or is it best, would it be her best, to take that, even if it was to buy a $130 pair of jeans for someone and give them to someone and her to keep the $30 jeans? Is there a difference? In well, we know based on what we gave is that the, the greater our sacrifice, the greater reward. I mean, so if I know if I do this, light momentary afflictions, I mean, okay, so I'm going to wear the jeans. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I told the girls this weekend, financially, could I afford to live in a bigger house? I mean, could, would the bank loan me more money and could I make the note? Yeah, I could. You know, but goodness gracious, I got 1,500 square feet and I got three bedrooms and indoor plumbing and Wi-Fi. I mean, I got an estate compared to... A whole lot of other people it's because I'd rather give it away than that you know so it is only you know that in your heart and, and what I've also found is <laughs> I love the stories of um, I love it when I crack myself up <laughs> so uh, there's a great little book called um, the blessing that was written by Robert Morris that um, that's a good quote too but let's we'll hold off on that um, is uh, and it's all it's really having the right perspective on finances and the blessing and I, I joke about this but not really joke I'm a definitely 100% a prosperity preacher I give I believe that if I give I'm gonna get now number one I don't give to get and number two I don't think I'm gonna get the same I think I'm gonna get way better so I don't give a hundred dollars thinking I'm gonna get a thousand but I definitely am a pro I mean the Lord promises me if I give financially he's gonna bless me okay so, and he kind of talks about that a whole lot more um, in there. Okay, just side note. He also does this whole teaching on the Ten Commandments, and he, ta and he talks about how the Ten Commandments are based on relationships. And every all ten of the commandments are really affecting relationship. When he talks about adultery, he took that time to talk about sexual purity. And in that, he talked about his um, his daughters and he has a son somewhere in there he's got three or four kids anyways they were all married and all that stuff but they all married virgins and they all uh were virgins when they married praise the lord that's my day 13 prayer for my nieces and nephews that's and they know that's what i pray for them and only by god will that happen and um but he, in it he says you know so many people will say well wait until after college before you get married and what Robert, Pastor Robert says, and I kind of agree with that, and I also sent it to my nieces and nephews and said this to them too, is that um, maintaining sexual purity before marriage and through marriage is very challenging. And if you say this is, and you agree, this is the person, this is the man that he or she, that she's supposed to marry, or this is the girl he's supposed to marry, and you're like, but look, don't have sex for three years. I mean, you're kind of almost setting it a lot up for failure. I mean, what Robert Morris says is we not only say get married, I'll continue to pay for y'all to go to college because that is so much more important than a piece of paper because that that's a kingdom perspective because marriage needs to reflect the church and all that stuff. So side note, that's really for you girls. So, um, and maybe for you guys too. 
maybe. So um, the story that cracked me up, back to the story that cracked me up. So Robert was driving somewhere with somebody, and um, they were driving through this really wealthy uh, neighborhood and these big houses, and this guy said, they just need to, if they love Jesus, they would sell that house and give the money to the poor. And Robert Morris said, well, why don't you sell your house and give your money to the poor? I mean, we, I mean we, we're really quick, and we have no idea, and I know uber-wealthy people. They give way lots of money away all the time, again and again. I mean, 70, 80, 90% of their income, and God continues to bless, and on their 10%, they have three houses and two boats and, you know, an RV and can, you know, go on these really cool vacations. I mean, so we need to be really careful. I mean, that's really careful about $130 jeans or not, you know, whatever. So, so that's, that's, that's great. You know, you go sell your house, you know. Great quote. This is a great quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool. He gives what he cannot keep. So I'm giving money away, and I can't keep money, right? There's no U-Haul behind the hearse. And even if I didn't die before Jesus came back, we all know that everything we see is going to burn up. I can't keep this. So I'm going to give it to get something that I'll never lose, which is eternal rewards in heaven. Our tickets for my nephew to go to a ball game, or going on a vacation with somebody, or giving to, you know, a mission trip, or going on a mission trip. So are you hanging on to something that we really can't keep? And are we giving away to get what we cannot lose? This is really key. When we see principle number four. Oh, one more point. Another example. Um, it was actually John Wesley. John Wesley, um, Jonathan, Jonathan Wesley, John Wesley. He was the founder of Methodist Church, and he used... Uh, amazing man and he lived back in the 17 1800s and wrote a lot of books and he made a ton of money on book royalties and what like normal a normal middle-class income would be like 30 pounds a year he was making 1400 pounds a year and um, but his goal was to die without a cent and he actually died without a cent he gave it all away he's just a funnel and you remember we've played card games whether it's rummy or uno or whatever that the purpose of the game is to win is you have the fewest cards you have in your hand. The fewest cards. And in our American world, it's like we want to have a lot of cards. Look at all the cards. You know? And it's like, give the cards away. Give the cards away. And I believe, and I'm, I'm kind of extreme on this, is I'm the... I'm the steward of it, so I don't put it in my will, will for somebody else to give it away. I give it away. Now, we want to be wise, and you know, be wise about that, and I have savings, and I've got retirement, and I've got all that, and emergency fund, be wise and all that, but man, I want to die as broke as I can, as broke as I can, because I want to give it all away. What if Jesus comes back, and I got money in the bank? I mean, <laughs> I lost an investment. Talk about a loss of reward. So... Um, anyway, so let's, let's give it all back. Um, number four, when we see our lives through the lens of a turn in our attitude or, or toward everything, we'll change extremely. Um, we'll change drastically. Uh, we can't, <laughs> death is coming for all of us, right? There's a story that's told of a, a Middle Eastern servant, and he was in the market, and um, all of a sudden he looked up and he saw death looking at him. And he runs back into uh, his uh, master's estate in Baghdad and said, um, Master, I saw death. Um, please release me to go to Samaria so I can avoid death today. And, um, and so he jumps on his horse and takes off this, you know, 17-hour by horse ride to Samaria. The next day, the master's at the market early in the morning, and um, he sees death. And... And the master says, Death, why are you here? My, my servant just saw you yesterday and said that you were looking at him like you were going to take him away. And he said, no, it was a shocked look because I have an appointment with him tonight in Samaria. So death is coming. You get it? Okay, you get it. Yeah. Da -da -ba -da -ba. Okay, so death is coming for all of us. It's coming for all of us. 
now we, we know that it's the Lord that's going to call us home and not, you know, so theologically that was an awful story, but you get the point of it. You get the point of it. Death is coming for all of us. And so with, so we need to, we need to not just put our head in the sand and be an ostrich, right? And say death is, death is going to come. Death is going to come for each one of us. And as we know, it's the quote at the end. Um, as we know that it's death is not the end. You know, it's not a dead end. It's just a thoroughfare that we're going to go through to the other side. And that we're going to go to sleep here and we're going to wake up there. And so we want to be prepared for that. I mean, we're going to go to sleep tonight and we're going to wake up in the morning and we need to be prepared. Right? So, um, a great verse. This is 1 Corinthians. Um, I think I have it listed for you, don't I? Uh, or 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, amen, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So how do we not lose heart? I thought I can't not go through this without saying this is how we don't lose heart is number one we've got to have personal transformation look what it says we don't lose heart though our outer self is wasting away we know that we still do what we need to do to protect our heart our inner self is being renewed day by day personal transformation is the blank on that oh i have it actually have it right here personal transformation so are we being changed are you being sanctified that's all that we talked about before is my mind my soul my mind my body my mind my will and my emotions are they more sanctified today are we going from glory to glory to glory are we being transformed are we still dealing with the same thing are we still battling over the same thing again and again are we just not ignore are we ignoring the holy spirit or is he speaking to us and we respond and speak and respond and speak and respond speak and respond and we all ignore them at times, and we all respond, hopefully, at times to it. Number two is the promised reward. We've talked about that already. For these are light, momentary afflictions. Whatever you're going through. I mean, this is Paul that wrote this, beaten, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, abused. You know, and he's saying, look, this is all light, momentary afflictions. Light, momentary afflictions, they're putting for us eternal way to glory. And so if that means that I have to buy Kroger shampoo instead of herbal essence because I can't afford the $5 more hairspray, I mean, shampoo, versus the 99 cent suave. It's not 99 cents anymore. When did that happen? I mean, it's like a buck 49 now or something like that. I know. And Sandy's like, don't be using suave. Look, don't even use it. Just be oily. Just be greasy. Don't even use it. Anyways, but it's, these are light momentary afflictions, right? Wearing the pair of jeans again or choosing to not go out to eat. I mean, all these financial decisions, going on a one-week vacation instead of a two or a weekend vacation instead of a month, light momentary afflictions. Not anybody's, anybody's gone on a month vacation, we'll talk about that later. And then the third thing is a proper perspective. We need to look not at the things that are present. This is all transient. You remember, I think I told you, we're on a bad vacation, living in a cheap hotel room, driving around rental cars, okay? This is all, all going to burn up. It's all going to burn up. So let's, let's build and invest and make and pursue things that are God, his word, and his people. That is what's going to last. That's what's going to last. And we all know that. I mean, these kids singing in choir right now. God is people and his word. So they're bringing into them, pouring into them. Okay? Um, this is uh, principle five. Principle five. We're doing good on time. Um, obeying God is not only right, it's smart. It will always pay off in the end. It will always pay off in the end. Um, just some points. We won't take the time to look at them. Um, oh, I didn't copy. Yeah, I'll let you copy these down because these are worth re looking at. And while you're looking at it, I'm going to go. Um, good deeds are going to follow us. This is Revel We know this. I've told this to you before. But this is a verse that we haven't looked at before. Revelations 14, 13. says, 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. So our good deeds are going to follow us. Uh, Revelation 19.7. This is, we've kind of talked, we've hit on this a little bit. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him, the Lord, glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's us, right? We're the bride. God, Jesus, we, I mean, we talked about us. We don't die and become like Jesus. We die and we're Becky in a new body. Or we're Sandy. Or we're Kristen. Or we're Eileen. We're who we are. We're going to make ourselves ready. And I want to be ready when he comes. Number three, he will reward. Again, this is a verse we haven't looked at. Psalm, it's in the Old Testament too. Psalm 6, 11, and 12 says this. Hmm. Well, no, it really doesn't because there's no verse 11 and 12 in Psalm. But he will reward us. <coughs> Moving on to the point four. Rewards are conditional. Second Peter 1, 10 and 11 and this is all goes into if you will do second peter i even had like had a ribbon and i still had to go through that second peter 1 10 and 11 uh therefore brothers be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and direction for if you practice these qualities you will never fail for in this way they will be richly provided for in an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord jesus christ Okay, it is going to do that. I've, this is what I found interesting, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, is that, um, you know, people will say, well, I just want a little cabin on the edge of heaven. I mean, just, just getting in, that's all I want. That's all I want. This little book, and I've taken a lot of stuff for this, called The Laws of the Rewards by Randy Alcorn. The Law of the Rewards, and this is totally about finances. But um, in it, it says, how dare we say that being in heaven is, is all that matters to us when it matters so much to God? Listen to this. What we do in this life is of eternal importance. You and I will never have another chance to move the hand of God through prayer to heal a hurting soul. Share Christ with one who can be saved from hell. Care for the sick. Serve a meal to the starving. Comfort the dying. Rescue the unborn. Translate the scriptures. Bring the gospel to an unreached people group. Further God's kingdom, open our homes, or share our clothes and food with the poor and the needy. What you do with your resources, your time, your talent, your treasures, and your touch in this life is your autobiography. The book you've written with the pen of faith and the ink of works will go into eternity unedited to be seen and read as is by the angels, the redeemed, and God himself. himself. When we view today in the light of the long tomorrow, the little choices become tremendously important. Whether I read my Bible today, pray, go to church, share my faith, or give money. Actions graciously empowered, not by my flesh, but by the Spirit, which is crazy and all that, but we've talked about that, is of eternal consequences, not only for other souls, but for mine. It, God cares and wants us to just not get in and slide in. He wants to reward us and bless us eternally. So that's, the, that's those things. I don't have this. I don't have the video. The video, the, the sound didn't work. But let me just tell you this, and then we're going to close in this. Schindler's List. It's one of it's about the only that and The Passion of the Christ are the only R-rated movies that I go see and will see often. Schindler's List. Most of you guys know the story, right? It's about the guy who was, he's an atheist. He didn't care. All he, he was capitalist. I mean, he, all he wanted was more money. And so he, you had a, he was working for the German government to make bullets and armory for the German army during World War II. And um, somewhere along the line, his accountant came to him and said, listen, why don't we like start buying some, some Jews and making them work for us so that they won't be put into concentration camp. So he started literally buying Jews and um, $1,200 a person he could give to a guard and they would give them someone and they would save them from a concentration camp. At the end of the time, and this is where this scene was, is taken, is he has, I think it was 1,200, 1,500 lives he had saved. 
And one of the things he had done through the years, he had actually gotten rid of his wedding ring or sold it. And, um, and they had uh, pulled teeth from some of the people who he had saved to, um, and I have told this story dozens of times and it still kills me. And they had melted down gold and they had made a wedding ring for him and they handed it to him and inside was inscribed a Jewish proverb, if you save one's life, you save the whole world. And so he has this ring and he's about to leave because the world does not know that he has been harboring Jews. They think that he's been an armorer for the, the German army and the U.S. is going to come in and liberate them. But, I mean, he's going to get arrested. So he, he's fleeing. And he's standing there and he said, um, he says to his accountant, he said, I could have sold this car. This car would have gotten probably four more people out. And he says, My, the apartment, why did I keep the whole apartment? I could have gotten rid of that apartment. This pen, this pen is gold. This, I, could have, I could have sold it. I could have gotten one, maybe two. I could have gotten more out. I could have gotten more out. <laughs> and he collapses, and it's basically where it ends. And I, one day, I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. And I want to be able to say, I sold it all. I don't want to have one dime left. I don't want to have one car left. I don't want to have one house left. I don't want to have one pair of clothes left. I don't want to have restaurant coupons. I want to be able to say, I sold it all. And this is what I'm bringing to you through the power of you. And that's what we get to do with our finances. And so absolutely enjoy life. Kill the fattened calf. Drink the good wine. Use the oil. But understand, is this going to advance the kingdom of God and create a great investment for me? Or is it just going to be wood, hay, stubble that's going to burn up at the eternal, at the day of judgment when we stand before him? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your word makes it clear that when my life is done here on earth, I'm not done working. And that one day I'll get to the other side. And at that point, I'll begin the real work. And Lord, I want to go and have all that you would have me to have. And Lord, be able to do all that you'd want me to do, Father. Lord, I pray for the ladies here. Lord, I pray that when they go home, for me, it's kind of easy because it's me. I don't have to deal with kids. I don't have to deal with grandkids. I don't have to deal with a husband and making decisions about finances. But Lord, so I pray that, Lord, you would begin to work in the hearts and show what is enough, what is right, what do we do? How can we invest? How can we store up treasures in heaven and trust you? with them before we're trusting the bank. And we know you'll be faithful to do that. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.